0: And welcome to the All In Football Podcast with me back as your host, Cully Mathuru. And joining me today are Alex Rex, Tom Hughes, and Scott Williams. A pretty eventful week in the world of football, of course. And today we'll be talking Premier League team of the season as well as dissecting the fallout from the final day of the Premier League. As always, if you'd like to follow us on social media, you can do so on All In Football Pod on Instagram and All In Football P. Uh, is our handle on Twitter. Right, let's get into it, lads. And only one place to start, really, and that being the drama that we saw in the top four race yesterday afternoon. Liverpool and Chelsea just about winning the race from Leicester, who for the second season in a row were picked at the post on the final day of the season. Tom, how will Leicester and their fans reflect on their season, in your opinion? given the fact they've won the FA Cup, but again, losing out in the top four after spending over 250 days in the top four during the season.
1: I mean, I think Leicester fans, because they've not had huge periods of success like clubs like Man United and Arsenal and Liverpool, where they're going to say, we should be winning trophies all the time. I think Leicester fans will be very balanced in looking at it that they've done an unbelievable job winning the FA Cup. And they've pushed that top four of elite clubs really, really close. Um, so, of course, there's going to be disappointment. But what I think that they'll take as a positive is the last two seasons, they've been really, really close. It's not like they've had a one season where they've just missed out on it, but they've had two seasons where they're really, really close. So, I think they'll take, overall, a really positive, balanced view on that as Leicester fans. Fair enough.
0: Um, Alex, uh, in terms of Liverpool... A remarkable turnaround from uh, Liverpool from mid-March, being eight points off the top four with ten games to play. Are Klopp's men back on track for a challenge for the title next year? And how much will they miss Junior Wijnaldum? Do you think?
2: Um, I, I think are they back on track? Uh, it may be pushing it a little bit. I think they've still got a, quite a lot of um, quite a lot of work to do in the summer on the squad. Uh, itself. Um, I was going to ask you yourself, Cullion, on what you think they need as, as a Liverpool fan, team wise. Um, but it, it has to be said that they've shown really good mentality. Um, they hadn't won at home since mid-December and they drew uh, with what West Brom and Newcastle and they lost to Southampton, Brighton, Burnley and Fulham. And since that Fulham loss, they went 10 and beat and 8 wins and, and 2 draws. So yeah, great mentality, great turnaround from Klopp. They've capitalised on Uh, slip-ups from from obviously Leicester and Chelsea and it's kind of insane that they've come third in the end, isn't it? Let's be honest. Who ever thought Liverpool would come third like 10 weeks ago? Um, Yeah, they need to go into the transfer market, yes, to replace Wijnaldum. I don't... uh, Maybe I'm underestimating him a little bit but I don't think that they can't not replace him. I I, I think if if just because he knows the system and he, he works really hard and plays really well, I think that's a sort of player that you could probably replace, maybe even internally with Curtis Jones next season. I don't know. But, yeah, they need three or four players from me. I don't know. What, what do you think? What do you think they need, Cully?
0: I think in terms of signings, I think you're right. Uh, I don't think Curtis Jones is just about ready to fill, uh, to do a full season in the midfield. I still think numbers-wise we need to add into into that area, with James that being the age he is. So, I think a central midfielder is a a prime target for the summer. There's talk of Busuma from Brighton. Uh, there's also a few targets from the Bundesliga. I think someone called Florian Neuhaus from Gladbach is a target. Uh, a centre-back, Canate, is pretty much done, apparently, according to that... light like, Leipzig, a, isn't it? From yeah, Leipzig. That, yeah, yeah, the Italian dude on Twitter that says, here Prince we go. Hill, Roman. That, that's the dude. <laughs> yeah. So, here we go on that soon. Uh, and a, uh, I think a striker that can actually put the ball in it would be nice because uh, yeah, we just keep missing chance after chance after chance.
2: I was thinking something similar. It was a, 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 My list had a centre-back, two midfielders and a striker. I think you need four players. Um, I think ideally
0: could... two two centre-midfielders would be nice, but I just don't think we've got the budget for it. Um, I think you look for a striker, a centre-mid and a centre-back. I think that'll be us done for the, for the window. And push Curtis Jones uh, into that full squad for next season to play more games. I think Milner's pretty much going to be... Play a couple of games, get injured, like he has been doing. Henderson, you can't really rely on anymore because he's 30 and getting picked up injuries pretty much all the time. So even though I love him to bits, he, he, yeah, we we Antia are uh, getting on it as well. So we did a bit of a youthful centre-mid. Go on, Scott.
3: I'll throw a name out for you. Calvin Phillips.
0: He's, uh, I think we've already got that type of player in Thiago and Fabinho. So I think he's a very. He's too much. Uh, you've got to I mean, you've not
2: got that type of player in Thiago. No, they no can't, they can't, Absolute, they can't, absolutely, absolutely no chance.
0: Can't afford him anyway.
2: You've, you've got the type of, you've got that type of player in Fabinho, yeah, but I, I, but not not Thiago Silva. He should never play that position ever again for you. Uh, you've seen yeah, the yeah, place
0: of Chelsea, mate. So
2: Thiago <laughs> he... sorry. Alcantara. Sorry. If, you, if, if you're going <sighs> to if you're going to throw a
1: Leeds' name out there, I've seen a lot of links with Bamford, which sounds ridiculous, but
0: yeah. But Tom, we've been linked with Watkins as well. It just yeah, I would not I wouldn't, I'd take it with a pinch of salt, mate. We were, I don't. We're not interested
1: in. Bamford. Well, you're more likely to get Bamford than Cam Phillips. Let me tell you that.
0: Uh, we're not interested in, in Phillips, mate. You can keep him, don't worry. Sorry, it's, um, it's a big,
2: it, sorry, it's <laughs> cl- it's big everybody, moment. Everybody in
1: Europe it? is interested in Calvin Phillips. <laughs> it's I like him big as a big moment to regenerate so... the team.
2: That's yeah. what I'm saying. It's Klopp's big moment to regenerate the team. That's what I'm getting at. He's now got to now go from one side that's been dominant and he's got to regenerate it. And if he, do, if he manages to regenerate, I think they're a challenger. That was the, the point I was trying to get at with the signing side of things anyway.
0: I think if we've seen as well for the last 10 games of the season, a key thing has been putting Fabinho in the midfield. And I think when he's playing with Thiago, it, is, it does look really, really good. We just need that third midfielder. If Henderson State stays fit, then fine. That'll be probably midfield the next season. But we do need that third midfielder. Anyway, I'm banging on about Liverpool. Let's move on to Chelsea. Um, Scott, uh, they lost on the final day, but top four obviously achieved, thanks to, of all clubs, Spurs beating Leicester for them. Um, is there a bit of a concern for Chelsea ahead of the final next week? Do, they look like they're
3: limping over the line, losses too. Arsenal, Villa and Leicester obviously in the FA Cup mm-hmm. final. I think there's massive concerns. They seem to be out of form at exactly the wrong time. Like you say, out of the last four games, three losses. Um and actually at the end of the game against Leicester in the in the league, they were really, really hanging on, especially with the crowd as well. Um the Chelsea crowd were very nervous at the end of that game and I think actually they hindered them a little bit. Um so yeah, absolutely with you know with City Absolutely finishing the season with a bang in Chelsea, like you say, absolutely just limping over the line. Um, I think they will. The finals are like no others, though. You can always raise your game in the final. Um, I thought they played. You know, it was a bit bit boring, but they played well against Astra in FA Cup. Um, but yeah, massive concerns if you look at their form lately. Um, yeah, I'd I'd be worried. Um, but yeah, they've they've got top four. They've made two major finals. It's where things were. It's it's been a very good season for Chelsea, hasn't it?
0: Yeah, I kind of have to agree from where Lampard left them. Um, it's been a pretty, uh, pretty damn good season. Uh, Alex, what about Kante and Mendy if they missed the final? I mean, uh, you don't really trust Kepa and whoever else they're going to play no, Kante.
2: Not at all. The big the big thing about them three games that you mentioned that they lost is that two of them, they didn't play in goal Kante. It's simple. Like You can't play, play Gilmore and Jorginho and Kovacic and Jorginho and holding midfield. Like, it's just ridiculous. Like, Tuchel will play. If Tuchel doesn't have Kante, they don't win the final for me. Um, and then he, I also don't think that he knows his best team. And I'm not expecting him to know his best team because he's not been there for that long. But he has done a lot of chopping and changing. And then he's going to go into the, the Champions League final, not knowing his best 11. I think, and I know this is a bit of a bold statement, but I think just considering I think we could name his team, maybe at least nine, if not 10 of the players that Pep's going to put out there. For his Champions League final. Uh, I'm not, I really don't know who Pep's gonna, uh, Pep, so was gonna play across his front three. Really, mounts probably the only certainty, but is he gonna play in midfield as a three? I genuinely don't even know what formation they're gonna play, probably a 5 3 2, but whatever. But I still don't know, so I think they've got real concerns. And I think City are huge favorites.
0: So, I have a quick question for you. Obviously, with Lampard being sacked in that December, I think it was, how uh, satisfying has it been for you to see? Chelsea, I know you don't like Chelsea as a club, but after Lampard's reign actually succeeds, so it kind of shows he's not, not a good manager at all, really, is
1: he? It's bittersweet, isn't it? It's bittersweet. of sweet. happy to see Lampard with egg on his face because I think he doesn't hold himself very well. It's not just all the history we were having with him, but I just don't like his management style. Um, I don't think I know a single manager that I think does a good job when they come out and just call their players out or throw their players under the bus. No player whether it be a football player or you're at work and your manager is calling you all out in front of in front of you know the, the public, I don't think anyone's going to ever appreciate or respond well to that, to be honest. So I don't like his management style. I think he's got a bit of an arrogance about him. That's what let him down. And I think that's what ultimately led to the poor performances at Chelsea. I think Tuchel's just managed to go in, show them the right respect, build the right atmosphere, and actually... He knows that he's not bigger than the club. I think Lampard thought maybe he was bigger than the club. So I mean, I don't really have that much hatred for Chelsea anymore, because you know, for me growing up, we were we were out of the we were out of the Premier League so quick when I was younger that't I didn't really experience those years where we were battling them. It's all quite historic that, but uh, yeah, I, I, I'm happy that Lampard's fucked up, let's be honest. Long may it continue. Let us let him go to Palace. And I'll, I don't have anything against Palace, but they'll get relegated if he goes there. And then we can all see just how shitty is.
0: Yeah, that's a question for a bit later, I think. The, uh, another big story from the weekend was West Ham finishing sixth in a fantastic campaign for them. And David Moyes, certainly one of the success stories of the season. Tom, I'm going to stick with you, actually. Um, Hammer's the most improved team slash manager from the last season. And how do you expect them to fare in the Europa
1: League? Yeah, I think um, much of the reason that David Moyes is getting thrown around as manager of the season is just how dramatic the turnaround is for West Ham. I thought West Ham would get relegated this year, uh, based on how they were the previous year. I don't think that that was maybe a a broad view, but I know that people thought that they would struggle. I think people thought they would be in a relegation battle. So to be sat here saying that they were fighting for Europe is pretty phenomenal. In terms of Europa League next year, I really don't know. I don't feel like they've got the squad depth to compete across all those fronts. They need to get Lingard. How much is that going to cost them now that he's had a great season? I don't know. Alex, you can probably tell me, but I wouldn't think that Man United would sell him to West Ham for less than £30 I know that sounds ridiculous, but he's not going for more than that, uh, for less than that. And also, it might not just be West Ham interested in him. Um, so, that's the first thing they've got to do is get Jesse Lingard, but then they've probably got to spend an additional 60 to 100 million just to get the squad depth to go and compete on all those competitions, in my opinion. So, I think they might be a bit stretched.
0: you think it'd be a bit of a hindrance to them, actually, for the league season, Alex, in terms of when we saw Burnley play the Europa League the, a couple of seasons ago, but they're really short in the league, even though they stayed up?
2: yeah i think it's always a risk isn't it i mean wolves sort of had the same problem didn't they um so it's all it's all, might end up hindering them um but like I completely agree with Tom. Like Man United won't sell Lingard for less than thirty million, it'll probably be pushing even more because we need that money to then reinvest in the squad. So we've been Man United need to reinvest that money in the squad. Uh and yeah, they'll probably need to they need to reinvest across the across the back line as well as the the centre midfield. If you, you know Suchek and Rice are great, but you've got Noble as the backup.
1: Do you think he's got to
2: really cut in the Europa League? No, I agree. Do you
1: think he's got a place back in the Man United squad or is that done? Is that like is that ship sailed?
2: I think if we weren't able to maybe get a target, it, then maybe he has, because he's always going to give everything he's got for the team because he's Man United through and through. But at the same time, I think the club will realise with the length of contract he's got left, I think he's got one year left with the length of time he's got left on his contract. We will never have a better time to cash in on Jesse Lingard. And he's probably never going to be part of our main team and he'll want to be. So, uh, it probably would be a place for him, but we need to cash on him now, and I think Man United will realise that.
0: Mm, certainly interesting times for Lingard and West Ham. Uh, Alex, I'm going to stick with you, actually. Uh, we saw the end of uh, a bit of farewell to a football legend in management, in Roy Hodgson. Uh, he lost 2-0 at Anfield, uh, but he had a, a great career. Uh, how well do you reckon Roy has done at Palace in his final job? And what direction do you think they'll go from here? When Tom mentioned Fat Lampard. Do you think he's a name that do you reckon they'll go for?
2: Yeah, well, it was, he's done their best of a points total, hasn't he? I just looked at his results. The four years he's been at Palace when he took over from De Boer when they lost the first four games. He then actually lost his next three games, did Roy Hodgson. And Palace were the first team ever to stay up in the Premier League after losing the first seven games. And they came 11th, there you. It's really quite just strange how they came eleventh from that point. But he yeah, came eleventh, twelfth, fourteenth, and fourteenth. He gets forty-three to forty-nine points every year. He's stabilised that club, kept him in the Premier League, and I think he's done a fantastic job. Roy Hodgson has evidently been a fantastic manager across the board except for unfortunately he had slight failings at England didn't he let's be honest and then he also didn't, uh, didn't succeed at, at Liverpool but other than that he's been a f- fantastic manager and the oldest oldest manager in, in in history of the Premier League so I think he's had a great career Sacks way too early at
3: Liverpool way too early the arrogance that football club that sacked him yeah, I pot- think it was, uh, potentially yeah potentially so. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I tend
0: to agree in terms of, of the actual literal term that he got sacked after six six months. But we were we were sixteenth in the Premier League, and he really really annoyed the fans with what he was saying. But um, he just didn't get Liverpool Football Club, uh, so it was just a, it was just bound to happen. I think rather well, just just rip the bandaid off at six months rather than uh, down the line where we could be in much more trouble. Kenny actually saved that season for us, but the things he was saying against the fans and. What whatnot was was not good uh, in terms of replacements. In our, would you reckon for Palace?
2: Well, everyone on the shortlist seems to be Frank Lampard, Eddie Howe, obviously Cooper at Swansea, Chris Wilder, Ishmael at Barnsley, Scott Parker. So they're all that managed that type of manager who either's got very little experience in the Premier League, very little experience if in general, or sort of young English manager. So that seems to be the line that. They're going to go down in some way, shape, or form. Um, I, I think Palace, no matter who they get in charge in that list of people, I mean, potentially other than Eddie Howe, maybe Chris Wilder, but other than that, I think they're they're pretty much on the list of candidates. Always, always going to be a candidate for relegation next season. Um, and it's a big transition. They've got the oldest squad in the Premier League, or at least they did last year. They had the oldest squad. So they're going to have to really turn that over. Um, whoever goes to the Palace has got a really big job on their hands. There's there's a reason why Royce called it a day this year. He uh, he's definitely looked at that pr- much like Big Sam's done at West Brom, and they've just both gone. We're too old for this shit.
3: <laughs> and They've just moved on from it, basically. I think we'd all love to see Eddie Howe back in the Premier League. I think he's he's had a bit of time off now, hasn't he? He's obviously probably regrouped. Um, he's been. I, I think he's a great pundit. Every time I see him on the shows, I think he talks really well about football. It, it, majority of Bournemouth's playing in the Premier League was really, really good. I remember the epic games he had with Liverpool. Um, I'd, I would love to see him back in the Premier League. I really, really hope he goes there and gets that opportunity.
0: Yeah, I think it would be a good appointment for them. Plays good football as well. I'm going to quickly touch on the Gunners. Um, Arsenal finished eighth in the Premier League, meaning they will not play European football for the first time since 1996. I'm going to try and take a positive spin on it, because um, there's a bit of doom and gloom around Arsenal. I know that's uh, for the amusement of quite a few people, but can this be a good thing in terms of, say, let's just say one game in the Premier League, next season and they don't have to worry about the midweek games they can rest them and take the squad what do they need as well in the market for them to compete for the top six let alone the top four
3: yeah it's um, it's, it's a weird one isn't it because it's like uh, basically half the league now getting to Europe don't they so the fact that they've not gone to Europe is uh, it's obviously a bit of a kick in the teeth um, for the Arsenal fans but I think it'll actually do them an absolute world of good it won't do the finances a world of good obviously not being in European com- competition but it will the fact that they're not going to have to be playing Thursday Sunday every week, and um, with league cups thrown into that as well, I think it's I think it's brilliant for them. You've seen big teams down the years that have not qualified for European competition have really solid seasons and actually really push on and get Champions League again. I think next year, I think I think if you ask Arsenal fans, they'll be content with top six. Um, it's it's you know it's a stepping stone, isn't it, back up to that top four. Um, I think they need to go back a couple of years and grab that Bamiyang, get him back at the club um, but things, things are looking up they've, they've won off in the last four games of the season there was that win against Chelsea in there um, you've got Pepe, that's finally showing what he can do and what he has been doing um, You know, over in France for a few seasons uh, you've got the boy Smith-Rowe, looks fantastic Saka, young English talent coming through I think they'll do well to get Odegaard full time. I think he's been, he's showed really, really good glimpses throughout the year. Um, the boy Tierney at left back solid, but I think they look very weak at centre back. I think they need to get one solid at least centre back in there. Um, and yeah, they need some, probably another striker. Um Bamiang's not been there this season, has he? Lacazette's patchy. Um, your boy Martinelli does look like a good prospect, Saka and people like that, but. Few different players push on top six, maybe a run in the cup, but um, yeah, I think it's a positive note for them not to be in York this season.
0: Yeah, I actually agree. I think it will benefit from them in the long term for next season. Uh, right, we're going to sit with you, Scott, actually, uh, and some big, big results in the playoffs and some really, really quality games. I have to say, particularly Newport Borough's green the night
3: was a was a humdinger. Um, here's Scott to talk us through them. I love the word Hundinger, so uh, yeah, well done on that one, Cully. Yeah, so, yeah, the players have not, not let us down again. There's always drama, and the fact that the fans have been in the crowd and the grounds, its ah—it's oh, just, it just gets you excited about football again. It's been fantastic. So, yeah, some really exciting games, like you said there, Cully. So, we'll start with League 2, actually. Um, so, you, like you said, Forest Green beat uh, Newport 6-5 on aggregate. Um sorry that I didn't. That's uh sorry for any Forest Green fans listening. Sorry, Newport beat Forest Green six five. And it's got a really interesting final now. So we got um we got Markham come again coming up against Newport. You may have listened a few podcasts ago and we said Kevin Ellison, who plays for Mark, uh plays for Newport, he's got a bit of a beef with Derek Adams at Markham. So yeah, they'll be very interesting to watch that one. And if he scores in the final, will he be running over like he did in a lean game and shouting in his face. That'll uh I'll be certainly a moment if he does. Um, Interleague League One, we're all set up for now for a Blackpool Lincoln final. Um, Oxford had it all to go, uh, all to do in the first uh, after the first leg when he got beat three 0 by Blackpool. It was an entertaining game, three three. It ended on the night, uh, but Blackpool cruising through an aggregate. Um, and Sunderland looked really, really good in their first half against Lincoln. Really impressive. And um, they they levelled the tie at time before um, before a late goal. Um, from Tom Hopper, actually he used to play for my boys, come for United. He bagged the winner, and if you're seen it, we love a bit of sh- bit shit on this show. He whipped out the Alan Shearer celebration in front of the Sunderland fans. So uh, yeah, it was quite amusing for all but the Black Cat supporters on that one. And then finally, we've got um, Brentford um, beating Bournemouth. Um, they had it all to do. Obviously, they went one nil down in the second leg uh, before Brentford turned its uh, turned the tie on its head there. And Swansea edged out a very impressive Barnsley side. So we've got a Swansea versus Brentford final. Um, for me on that one, I've said it last week on the show, I can see Swansea edging it out. I kind of would like to see Brentford do it, though. Um, they've got some exciting players in that team. And they've lost a lot of the talent the last few seasons as well. So for them to keep bouncing back, I think, is very, very impressive. Um, but I just want to say props, props to Barnsley. I have seen this to Tom earlier. When you see a team like that come through, really underdogs like Huddersfield was a few years ago, it's usually based on an unbelievably solid defence and then nicking really tight games like 1 0. Similar to how Greece won the Euros a few years ago, just nicking games. But actually, with this Barnsley team, they're so, so good to watch. Um, they play really good football, and I think they're probably going to keep hold of the vast majority of the players. And if they can keep hold of the manager as well. Um, I know he's been linked with that Palace job. I think they can see him, you know, pushing on and challenging again next season. So, I think you know for Barnes they've they've got a really excited next season to look forward to. Uh, but yeah, I can see Swansea winning the championship. I think I can see Lincoln carrying that momentum on and beating Blackpool. And for me, I think Derek Adams at Morecambe is going to get his revenge over Kevin Ellison, and they're going to take it. But yeah. Next weekend, bank holiday weekend, it's always about the playoffs. So, yeah, can't wait. Watch this space. Brilliant. Yeah, cheers, Scotty. Some absolutely
0: humdinger of a games there, mate, next weekend. So, I can't wait to watch those. I'm going to go Brentford, Blackpool and Morecambe. So, put your money on the opposite side to what I've said. Um, Right, we're going to move on to our team of the season now. Me and the boys have collated our picks uh, for the team of the season. And for the manager, we've gone for Pep Guardiola of the likes of David Moyes, Bielsa, uh, Rodgers, who candidates the candidates, but Pep's the one for us, particularly if he wins the Champions League, of course, he'll be definitely the uh, manager of the season, I'd say. Um, the the keeper I'm going to leave, because uh, Alex is going to choose that a little bit later on, but the right-back we've gone for Koufal from West Ham, We can all agree he's had a, a very, very good season. Obviously, Ruben Diaz has, has won the, the rightest player of the year, so he's got to be slotting in at centre-back. The second centre-back, we'll choose that a little bit later on, but we've got five candidates for that. Luke Shaw, fantastic season from him, even as a Liverpool fan, I have to admit, he's done brilliantly well this season, he's looked a different player, and it's always nice to see a player come back from our times, he's been excellent. Bruno Fernandes, obviously, ridiculous numbers, I think he's had 17 or 18 Premier League goals, and something like 12 or 13 assists, fantastic season from him. Phil Foden, the golden boy of English football, of course, we all picked him. Uh, the third centre midfielder, we've got Quite a few candidates that Tom will pick later on. But the front three we've gone for. Mo Salah, 21 goals and five assists this season. So it's 22 goals, I've undersold him. 22 goals and five assists this season. Tom brilliantly as well. In an underperforming Liverpool side, but he's been the star player for for Liverpool this season. Harry Kane, for me, the player of the season. Uh, Top assist maker, top goal scorer. England captain, hopefully lead us to a, a successful Euros. Uh, and hopefully he gets his move that he deserves. And Hjong Son on the the left-hand side uh, over the likes of Jack Grealish uh, and those. Um, So we're going to start with the keeper. Uh, Two of us went for Edison. Two of us went for for Martinez. Um, I don't know how we're going to split this one because I really like them both. Um, Scott, I want to come to you first. You went for Martinez, didn't you? Why him over the likes of Edison?
3: Well, I mean, for one thing, I know the, the boys love statistics on the show. Just look at fantasy football, the points he's got this season. is just frightening. I think half the games he's, he's played for um, for Villa as well, he's kept clean sheets. Um, they've had a really solid season after just staying up last season. And a lot of that, a lot of that is down to Martinez. To say as well, he's not really played much football for how many years when he was just sat on the bench at Arsenal. He obviously came in at the back end of their season to help them win the FA Cup. And he's just been impressive. It just that whole defence just looks so comfortable, and ha- knowing you've got that final really strong guy in goal there, just to just to shore it up. I think it just gives that defenders a little bit more confidence as well. So for me, it's, it's been massive. Yes, I know Edison's done well, but like you say, he's got the Player of the Year at centre back in front of him. He's got a uh, you know rejuvenated John Stones. He's got Kyle Walker. he got Cancelo. He's got a bit of help in there, hasn't he? Um, so for me. I always like to look at teams that you know that have had really good seasons and what, what sort of analyse that and see why. And for me, for them, it's Martinez. For Edison, uh, just like myself, um,
0: particular reasons why you went for him over the likes of Martinez?
1: Yeah, I think what you get with Edison is a ball player. I mean, we've seen it. We know that he can pass the ball. He can thread it in behind. Martinez does not have that in his game. I think uh, some of Edison's distribution has been unbelievable. Uh, he's probably he's probably one of the best passers in the Premier League. I'd go as far as saying that Edison is one of the best passers in the Premier League and goalkeeper. So you're you're effectively getting a proper eleventh outfield player. He's comfortable coming out. He's comfortable with the ball at his feet. He's not going to panic. Uh, he, he's just he provides so much assurance for that back four as well. So yeah, Edison for me, you get the you get a bigger. All-rounded, more-rounded picture than you do with someone like Martinez, who is unbelievable at shot-stopping. He's been unbelievable, but I think you get uh, you get more from Edison. This is yeah, a goalkeeper.
3: This is a goalkeeper, here, Tom, not you know centre midfielder. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, you know, yeah, but we were all yeah, talking about England. We were talking about game. Jordan
0: Pickford in the summer, and you, you guys were saying we have to
1: pick Pickford because he plays out from the back. So... 100% hundred percent. It's this a modern is the game. Po- You've got to be able to play with a ball at your feet and goal. You have to. This be.
2: is the point with Martinez, though. That the, and I thought this would be the case, and we would have this conversation. And you know how much I love a stat, but Martinez has played more passes than any other goalkeeper in the Premier League this season.
1: Yeah, he's, and- he's, made, he's played more passes, but uh, you know you can play a lot of passes, but are they just left right to your little centre backs or to your, to your right left uh, back? And or are they yeah. spreading passes in behind the back lines? And how how often is
0: Edison going to have the ball at his feet for City? Like very rarely. Like they're always going to have percentage possession in the opposite end of the pitch. Hardly. Edison has
2: also played. Oh, Edison has also played more short passes than Martinez this season. Uh, I, I mean, Edison's passing actually is better, um, but at the same time, like. To say Martinez isn't a ball-playing goalkeeper, I think is just a bit unfair on him. Obviously, Edison's way better than him.
1: I know, but (laughs) but I I think you'd have to throw me a different stat there because all you've told me is that Martinez can play lots of short passes. So, I'd need to see some stats on how, how successful his long passing is compared to Edison, how many assists he's got in his life.
2: Well, it, it, there's only been two goalkeepers that have got assists this year. Edison with one, obviously, and Johnston with another. But, but passes it's not, into but the it's final not Edison's third. first a- anybody
1: assist. Anybody got a it? goal? It's not Edison's <laughs> first assist.
2: It, it, uh, Martinez has also played more passes into the final third this year than Edison has. But still, at the same time, I'm not saying Martinez is better than Edison. Edison is way better than Martinez with all his feet. But saying Martinez doesn't have that in his locker, I think, is the unfair point. And I think, overall, he's made the third most amount of saves in the league this season, only Ramsdale and Johnston, who obviously both got relegated and made more, um, which shows the effect that he's had on that team in a positive way. Uh, Aston Villa would be nowhere near where they are in the league without uh, Martinez. uh,
1: You set set a trap there. You should have led with the final third passes. You set a trap.
2: (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, I didn't know. I just got Opta in front of me. But but, but I did look at passing and I was like, "My third, my point was is Edison? Yeah, absolutely. He's he's a much better ball player. He's he's got it. He's got it all uh, as a goalkeeper. And if we put Edison in goal, I wouldn't have minded. But fortunately, you have left the decision with me."
0: Yeah, I mean, the reason why I went Edison is because I think Martin is is a great first half of the season. I think it was a shoo-in for the, for the keeper of the year. But I think he's slightly tailed off for the second half of the season. I think Villa have slightly tailed off, to be fair. So I think that's probably affected the way I view Martínez from the second half of the season. But I've taken all your points on board. But I assume, Alex, are you going to go Martínez then for, for the position? I, I am I am going to go
2: Martínez, but let, let's let's be honest, it, everyone that's put Edison in isn't wrong, are they? <laughs> so yeah. it's... Uh, but uh, just for us, because you've left the decision with myself, I'm, yeah, perhaps I'm, I'm going to go Martínez.
0: Um, I mean, Martínez, it is. Right, we're going to move on to the second centre-back. Uh, pairing up with Ruben Diaz, so it'll be a, a pretty formidable partnership as it is anyway. Uh, the contenders are John Stones, uh, Dawson, Rudiger and Evans. Um, <laughs> Alex, you went for uh, Evans, which was, uh, I, I know he's ex-man United, but it was still a bit of a surprise for me. Why'd you go ahead? I think the, the, the key,
2: right? So the key point of this season is if Johnny Evans had remained fit, Leicester would have made the top four. So the three key games that they lost this season were the games where Johnny Evans was injured and they fell apart with Fafana and Soyuncu at the back without him. I think with all the injuries that Leicester have had this season, his leadership qualities as well as his organisation have been absolutely unbelievable. And I picked him for this and i can could completely understand if john stones gets put in alongside Diaz because he was probably one of my other picks but I think Johnny Evans needed shouting out for how unbelievable he's been as a leader and a defender this season
0: yeah fair enough i can argue with that but uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna put the argument in for john stones um again a little bit like martinez i think he's tailed off this the latter end of the season uh, probably 10 games or so Pepsi decided to rotate a little bit the three centre-backs in the port, Diaz and Stones but I think the first 25 to 30 games I thought he was exceptional I thought he was the outstanding centre-back along with Ruben Diaz of the season I think he's come on leaps and bounds so that's my shout uh, I don't get the decision that'll be Scott later um, Tom, you went with Rudiger um, he didn't play under Lampard but he's been exceptional under Tuchel
1: Yep, really good and I think if you look at uh, Tuchel's defensive record under Chelsea, Rudiger's been a massive part of that. Uh, really solid. A big. I know he's a big crowd favourite with the Chelsea fans. You know he plays up to them a little bit, but you always get 100% maximum effort from them. And yeah, massive turnaround. Been really impressed by Rudiger.
0: Craig Dawson, your pick, your West Ham loving continues with everything. Um, why, Craig Dawson?
3: Um, I don't know. I just like going for players that um, you know. Again, that have over played in teams that have done really well this season. They've surprised everyone. And you look at West Ham's defensive record; it's um, it's very impressive this year. And one of the reasons for that is Craig Dawson. He's used to being playing at the bottom of the Premier League with clubs that are fighting relegation, and he's really you know he's took it upon him this season to uh, be in a team that is. Ended up two points behind Champions League places. That's ridiculous for for a, t- for a club like them. So, I think you've got to look at the spine in that team. And I know you, you probably want me to talk a bit about Declan Rice as well because you, you, you guys love it when I talk about him. But one of the reasons is Dawson. And he's it's not been a settled partnership. He's had a different players next to him all season long. But um, the fact that you've got Dawson, Cuffell and Creswell, three of that back four, playing week in, week out... Um, I think that's just an unbelievable defensive line going forward. So, for me, it was the obvious choice. Diaz, for me, only just scraped him ahead of Og Bonnet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fair enough, But I assume you're going to pick
0: Dawson out of the four candidates we've got, then. Yep. Right, so, so Craig Dawson makes it in that team this season. I, I'm sure listeners will be uh, not surprised at all to to, uh, to hear that. Right, the, uh, the, probably the biggest argument we're going to have He's on the third central midfielder. Um, we have quite a few candidates here. We've got six in total that I think quite a few have missed out as well. The likes of Mason Mount and sucek aren't even on this list. Um, Declan Rice, of course, Scott's favourite, is on there. Kevin De Bruyne, uh, Stuart Dallas, Angola Kante, Yelkei Gundogan, who had that magnificent fantasy run, and Fabinho, which is, even to a Liverpool fan, is a little bit surprising to me, uh, particularly when the Man United fan picked him in this group. Um, so I'm going to start with you, Al. Why did you pick Fabinho to be the third centre midfielder? You said it earlier on, though,
2: didn't you? Like they've done the last ten games. Fabinho's has moved back into central midfield. He's returned from injury, and since he returned from injury, they've had eight wins and two draws and got into the Champions League. And and like, look, if if I'm if I'm totally honest, do I think he makes this team? I think it's horrendously borderline. But I do think he needed a shout out as one of the best team players of the year. Without Fabinho. Liverpool will be absolutely fucked 100%. You 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 would have been nowhere near the top 4 and and it's he's he's slotted at center back, he's done holding midfield and he's been your best center back this year and he's been your best central midfielder. <laughs> I think he's just done an incredible incredible job. And again, I just thought he kind of really needed a big shout out as um as a as a player that's a, a proper hero for you guys this year.
0: Yeah, he certainly was. I think when he stepped up the centre back initially he was great. Um Gun- Gun- Gun as well, mate, you went for him. I assume that was because he had a smashing fantasy time and obviously you're a fantasy guru. Go on, wax call for uh, about him for me, please.
2: He changed he was one of the main reasons we talked about this, I think was it last week or the week before we on the pod we, he changed city season pretty much single handedly when De Bruyne was injured. Um I completely agree with Jack last week, who said that any team of the year that doesn't have Gundogan in it is wrong. Um, I, I actually agree with that. Um, I, I think we'll we'll have the, the the classic debate of team of the year, and you know do we need. I think with Fernandes and Foden, we probably need a holding midfielder in it. But then at the same time, I think some people will say, "Oh, just pick your three best centre midfielders." But um, yeah, I don't think he fits in this team as a holding midfielder. But at the same time, I would uh, I'd probably shove Foden further forward, get rid of Son, and uh, and whack Gundogan and uh, Fabinho, why not?
0: Yeah, we're not doing that, but uh, yeah, definitely a great season, <laughs> great season from uh, Gundogan. Uh, Scott, you've talked about uh, Declan House enough. I think the, the pod fans are sick of it. Don't I lie to um, Go again, Scott. Go
2: again. Cut him off.
0: Stuart, let's talk about Stuart Dallas for me, mate. Um, he's a he's a defender on the on fantasy, mm. so he's earned lots of people points this season. How good has he been this season? Leeds born, of course. Leeds, <laughs>
3: <No>. <laughs> so, is it me and not Tom Hughes Elise on that picture Stuart Dallas? Is that correct? Yes, yes. All we right, do. okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, if anyone like me, I kept an eye on the award ceremony last night. Tom was telling me what was happening. Uh, <laughs> fans, player, players, player, managers, player, goal of the season. He won all the awards last night. And, I mean, there well, isn't a
1: manager's player. But
3: I made it up. Great. Well, crack on. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um,
3: best looking, best Irishman. He was. He Definitely best looking, yeah. yeah, he's he's great. Berardi would have to say something about that, but um, he's fan- he's been fantastic, hasn't he? He's 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 so good to watch, and is an every single every single manager's dream. He can play anywhere, and he just literally just gives everything every game on that pitch. And he's really shown, like, this season, I think, his attacking qualities as well. Um, the fact that... And I, and I think, actually, the last few games as well, it left-back he was usually at, wasn't it, Tom? Is it That's the Alyoski's left-back. Dallas
1: yeah. central midfield. Yeah,
3: so I think it's good that, you know, he's had that confidence to put him into the midfield, to keep Alioski there. Um, and I think it was against Man City. His runs from late and his finishing and the amount of points he's got in fantasy football. Now he's a defender. But still, for a for a Leeds team that didn't particularly cle- keep many clean sheets, the fact that he was still racking the goals up just shows you how many assists and goals he's got. And again, I like to go for players that have played for teams that have overperformed. And without a doubt, Leeds United have been brilliant this season. So that's why he's one of my boys in there.
0: I've got to be fair to
3: Tom, he did go Jack Harrison,
0: so he did pick a Leeds player, but logistically, logistically, uh, I should say, it, we just couldn't fit him in the team. So, But Tom, you have gone N'Golo Kante as your candidate for the third centre midfielder. Why Kante, and is he your pick for this team?
1: Kante is excellent. I've always loved N'Golo Kante, not because he's just such a sweet guy. I, like, I wish I could go for a beer with him, I just feel like he'd be lovely, but beyond that, he's just he's just an absolute baller. He gets everywhere on the pitch. When he plays, he makes Chelsea look completely different. I think a large part of Tuchel's success has come from getting the best out of Golo Kante. He's been brilliant, not only defensively, but making advanced runs as well. He seems to be get, getting a lot of space now, and he's actually becoming a bit more creative. Uh, so, I think don't, nobody's ever doubted Kante's ability, but there was a period about six to 12 months ago where people were talking about Chelsea selling Kante. And I was like, what, "What? how have they got to the situation where they're thinking about selling probably what I would consider, who I would consider probably the best holding midfielder in the world. I just don't know how they got to that position. Um, I think give Tuchel a summer with Chelsea and Kante's going to be back to his absolute brilliant best. He's been close to it anyway. Um, so he's majestic to watch. But no, he's not going to be my choice. Uh, my choice is going to be Stuart Dallas because Harrison didn't even get a shout. I didn't want to be biased and pick more than one Leeds player, which is why I went Harrison because I felt a bit like Fabinho. He doesn't get talked about a lot, but Jack Harrison, just so you know, because I need to get my piece on him, he got one less goal than Foden and one less assist than Grealish. Well, so sorry, was this, in perspective. This So I'm, I'm going to be going for Stuart Dallas.
3: The best last plays from the last two months because uh, I've totally misread. No, those,
1: those, those are those are uh, annual statistics, Scott. Annual statistics, so.
0: Right, Dallas. It is right. Okay, officially, our team of the season then is Pep Guardiola as our manager, Martinez in net, Kufal right back, uh, a, a central defensive duo of Ruben Diaz and Craig Dawson, uh, Luke Shaw as left back, uh, Bruno Fernandez, Phil Foden, and Stuart Dallas in midfield. Uh, and then Mo Salah, Harry Kane, and Jungmin Son. But,
1: how is, but, How is Dawson snuck
3: in there? I mean, I well, he's the few, got to the, them back the, to pick. The <laughs> There's a few FB ones well, that's there. That's Cinderella but, story. I mean, I'm sure we'll get a few DMs. An he's not quite <laughs> Liam Cooper, is he? But, oh, bloody hell.
0: Right, right. Let's move on before <laughs> we all have a, a continuous argument I'm sure we'll get a few DMs about that team this season anyway. Uh, right, some surprise league winners across Europe this season. Um here's Tom with the European Roundup.
1: Cully, uh, it has been an interesting end to the European season. We all know how dramatic and fun the European Super League was. Uh, but what we can now see is the outcomes of all the different leagues. Uh, Bayern Munich won the league about a year ago. Um, so that was a bit boring. But uh, Dortmund managed sneaking to sneak into the Champions League. Uh, which means that they've got no need to sell Erling Haaland this summer, so he's probably not going anywhere. Uh, But it does still mean that probably Sancho's still available. Uh, Juve sneaking into the top four uh, due to Napoli dropping points, so maybe Cristiano Ronaldo stays, but he really does seem to be pushing for a move to Man United, Alex, so that could be exciting to see a return of him to your club. Um, Whether you'd want him or not, different story, but it would be certainly a, a, a big move for Man United um Atletico pipping Real Madrid to the post great seeing Suarez uh, crying on the pitch you could see how much it meant to him after being discarded by Barcelona um so yeah brilliant moment I know we've got to be a bit careful about saying Suarez well done what a guy because we all know he's a bit of a he's a bit dodgy um you know the racism and everything like that but uh well done to him for actually <laughs> delivering a, a good result for Atletico. That's that's good for him, isn't it? So, yeah, great result for them. And also puts pressure on Barcelona and Real Madrid. There's going to be a bit of an outflow of players from those two clubs this summer, I think. Um, and then the final one is Lille winning the uh, League One. Um, and that's a massive one because their manager, Galtier, is actually already pretty much pre-agreed to go and manage Nice. So And that was done a month ago. So he's won the league with Lille. He's now going to move to Nice after winning the league, which is bonkers because basically Nice have got loads of money and Lille don't. And so uh, there's going to be a whole raft of players on the market from Lille. You could expect to see moves for the likes of Renato Sanchez, Sumar, uh, Wei, Jonathan David, uh, Lahaji, Jallo. All of those could move out of Lille this summer. And then when you even consider... Clubs like Real Madrid and Barca. Real Madrid are apparently selling Bale and Hazard. Barcelona, I've seen reports from people like Guilherme Balague that say that they may be in, uh, in need to sell up to 12 players if the price is right. Uh, you start to see that we're going to get a massive depressed transfer market this summer, uh, which means there's going to be lots of sellers, not many buyers, but the sellers may have to sell. And if they have to sell... That means the prices are really going to get pressed down. So there might be some absolute bargains. So when, although you might think Real Madrid will probably want to recoup most of their money from Eden Hazard, we might actually see them settle for a lower fee because their debts are so massive. Barcelona may be not so pressing because they've just got a massive loan from uh, Golden Sachs for half a billion pounds. Uh, but apart from that, all those clubs are going to be uh, looking to sell. So it's going to be a really interesting summer transfer market on the back of all those results. And that's my European Roundup. I'm
0: actually impressed, Tom, I have to say, particularly your description of Luis Suarez. Uh, that'll be one to remember.
1: Well, you uh, know, it was, it's a good result, but you can't change the fact that he's a scumbag. So.
0: <laughs> Absolutely not. Uh, right, final week of fantasy, Alex. Um, it was another bang average season for me. Um, glad to see the back of it, if I'm honest. Um, who were the star performers of Game Week 38, my friend? And who were the star performers of the season?
3: Well,
2: I uh, just celebrated with a glass of red wine before I came on here because I needed to calm myself down because that has been a hell of a 38 game week season. What a roller coaster, what a load of ups and downs, blank game weeks, double game weeks, COVID cancellations, just everything that could have happened this season happened. Uh, Deadlines being announced after um, games being moved after deadlines. Oh, what a nightmare. Uh, But the final game week didn't disappoint as normal. There was a hell of a lot of double-digit returns from players. So, the number one performer of final game week was Scott's unsung hero of the season, Pablo Fornells with 19 points, fantastic for him. Uh, Pepe with 16 and Mane with 16. Um, back the wrong Liverpool guy, didn't I went for Salah, uh, Bale, KDB, Triore and Vardy all got 13 points. Edison saved the penalty and got 12 points. Chambers and Stones got 11 each, and Soufal, Wanmata. Uh, Harry Kane and Sergio Aguero, three of those four guys might be signing off from their clubs this season, all finished off with 10 points each. Uh, season review, so your top performer was my man Bruno, 244 points, Pippen Harry Kane at 242 points, uh, and Mo Salah, classically, steaming in there with 231. Kane, obviously, top for goals and assists. Bruno, third for goals and second for assists. 18 goals, 12 assists, and Salah with second for goals. And KDB somehow still snuck in there with hit season uh, being third for assists. Um, in terms of the top 20 players and performers of the season, um, a little bit of a surprise. So we have three goalkeepers in the top 20 performers in fantasy this year. Um, we usually have maybe one or two, uh, but we've had Emmy Martinez and Edison that we've just discussed. And Tom will be happy to know Meslier snuck in into the top 20 in terms of points this season. And only three defenders, so the same amount of goalkeepers and defenders, snuck into the top 20 players this season. Robertson picked Trent by one point, but the top-performing defender of the season was our man Stuart Dallas. He was the best-performing defender of the season. Um, nine midfielders, Bruno Salah, Son, Mane, Rashford. And then we've got Jack Harrison. Gundawan, James Wood Prowse, and Raheem Sterling steeks in there in 20th with a disappointing season for him, uh, but still 20th top performer. Kane, Bamford, Vardy, Watkins, and Dominic Calvert Lewin round off our top 20 players. Those are the five strikers. Um, coming to your boys' season reviews. Um, Tom, you have 58 points in the final game week, and your final rank is 698,000. You were at 3.1 million at game week 17. Um, You only got four red arrows in that time and you finished on 10 straight green arrows. So you improved your rank, for anyone who doesn't understand what that, you improved your rank every week for the last 10 game weeks. Talk us through your half a season you could be bothered logging in.
1: (laughs) Yeah, do you know what, it's quite fun when you pay attention, but... I do start to understand why Ivan's always so stressed about it as well, because uh, every single kick of the ball becomes ex- extremely important. But no, it's been it's been really good. Um, I've enjoyed. I think this is the first time where I've probably actually got my teeth sunk into it and and paid proper attention. Even in past seasons, I tend to switch off after a few weeks. It's just typical for me. So yeah, I've really enjoyed it. Um, probably bit disappointed with Salah at the end. I mean, he's had so many chances over the last four or five game weeks. And he just... What has he been doing? Honestly, he should have picked me up at least an extra 30 points over those game weeks. He just (laughs) hasn't been able to finish. Cully's talking about a striker. Just ask Salah to start finishing again. I know he's got 22 goals. He should probably have 45. You create enough chances. So, um, yeah. Now, Salah's probably the biggest disappointment for me over the last few weeks. But it was great being able to have Leeds players in and have them in with confidence. But I do just want to use this opportunity to call out, you know, D.C., Sandeep, some of our friends, because, you know, how can you put Man United players in your team, especially D.C.? You said you weren't going to put any Man United players in and then halfway through you bottled it and got Bruno in. Shocking.
2: <laughs> it's uh, a yeah, nice one for calling out the Leeds fans and you he can't help but back Bruno, just like uh, Cully did. I think he was, uh, and Cully and Scott, I think as well as myself, we all back Bruno pretty heavily. Um, but, yeah, in terms of talking about Liverpool getting strikers, uh, Jota's XG per 90 was the highest out of anyone in the league this season. Um, so he could have uh, pretty much delivered on, on that, couldn't he? And I had him in since my wild card, and he's one that kicked me plumbing the bollocks. Um, <laughs> Cully, uh, well done, Tom, I should say. Very impressive on the comeback there, has to be said. Um, and, uh, and nice work on your finishes in the mini leagues and your overall rank. Cully, 353k. Um, do you know how many points hits you took in the end? Do you, uh, do you know do number? Oh, 120 some. Oh, a hundred a hundred and thirty six points in hits you 136 took. Um, points. Yeah. Um you were uh, you were your favourite team was Spurs, um, funnily enough this season. It's probably why I've got so shit. <laughs> Yeah, Kate, Kane, captain you most, and Bruno was your most started. Um, but yeah, talk us through your uh, your season of <laughs> your ups and downs. I love all the hits, by the way. I mean, I, I take the I take the piss out of it, but I, I love I do the way you played it. Every single
0: season, I do it every <laughs> single season. I play my wild card second or third week. I panic. I panic after the first or second week that like I'm I'm literally like bottom in the league. Play my wild card, and then yeah, it goes to it. So I'm just gonna defend my players at the start because obviously Tom said about Salah. Uh, and and his missing chances. But have you have you seen Salah play in the last five years? That is him. He he get he scores one in five or he scores a belter out of absolutely out of the blue uh, and goes on a run of games. Yeah that's Mo Salah for you. That's he some pretty
2: get. poor defending of a player out there, Cully you basically just said, Yeah that's what he does.
0: <laughs> yeah, but that's what I mean this is what he does. Like, this is why I've criticised him in the past and you guys are like oh, how can you criticise Mo Salah? He's your top scorer every single year. He doesn't score pretty much most of his chances that he gets. He gets five chances a game. He'll probably score one. Um, yeah, so, and Jota, he was out for like four and a half months of the season now. So, give him a bit of a break. Come on, let's be honest.
2: Right. Uh, xgp 90, he played. XG per 90, he played. He had the best in the league and he just didn't deliver on me for my wild card. That's my problem with Jota.
0: Well, I'll do a very quick review of my season. Uh, it started crap, picked up a little bit uh, in November and December. Fell off a cliff in uh, in late December, January and February, rose back up slightly again and cashed in my work league, which is terrible, but I couldn't win anyway.
2: <laughs> nice, nice one, Collie. Um Coming on to who came second out of us four in, our, uh, in the mini league that I created for us four. Uh, it's me. Uh, 154k, top 2% of managers uh, disappointed from where I was really, to be honest, um, at game week sort of 31-32, but really pleased from the fact that I was over 2 millionth in the world at one point. Uh, My big downfall was uh, 69% captaincy success. Just got it wrong too often. Um, If I'd have got a couple more captaincies right, I'd have done all right, but never mind. Um, And coming on to our winner of us four this year, Scott Williams, 136k overall rank. Um, Leeds, your favourite team that you picked. Bruno, top captain. Uh, you just pleased everyone on this podcast, didn't you, really, by doing that? Talk us through your season. Well done on winning.
3: Yeah, so not a Leeds fan. So, yeah, just echoing what Tom said, really. there. Not even a Leeds fan. I back the Leeds boys and I do well. So, lessons to be learned, boys Listen to this. Um, so... Yeah, yeah, really enjoyed this season. Um, I first year where I really got into it and been depressed when my players play poor. Um, yeah, I'm really happy that um top top two percent, like you say there. Um, some I think for me, I'd I did did have a little bit of an outside chance of in our in our wider friends league getting that top three, but ultimately it fell down with a bench boost that got me one point and the triple captain. Uh, which got me, I believe, five or six points. So, yeah, t- villain of the season for me, Dominic Calvert Lewin. Um, every time I captured him, did nothing. When I triple captained him, he did nothing. Didn't even look like doing anything. So, yeah, I need to be probably a little bit smarter next year with my chips. Uh, look a bit further ahead rather than just one or two weeks. I need to make that bigger picture look five, six, seven weeks ahead. But yeah, I'm just sort of having a quick look now over my last few years, and um, it's the second best I've ever done in seven, eight years of playing fantasy football. And yeah, I'd, I'd give you a lot of credit for that, Alex. Is I know I beat you, but you had a lot of words of wisdom that have certainly helped myself. I know it's helped Tom, and uh, no one's helping Cully because he'll just do loads of free transfers and stuff like that. So yeah, <laughs> I love how, I love how he stuck that he beat you in there. Oh, hey, I mean, it, yeah. absolutely
2: fair, absolutely fair <laughs> and square. Um, and uh, yeah, it has to be said. Um, really well done for that one, Scotty. And, uh, and, and it's been a really enjoyable season to uh, to be able to talk about it. And I've really enjoyed it. Thank you for everyone for, uh, for listening to me try and ramble on and smash several thousand stats into a 10-minute section on a podcast every week, which not even everyone who listens to even bothers about fantasy football. So cheers, guys. Thanks for your support. Uh, wanted to touch on just under and over performers very very briefly. My top three under performers were Trent, Sterling, and Ober. Just because Trent set himself such a high standard last season, um, Aubameyang got two hundred and five points the last two years in a row, and only got one hundred and thirty-one this year. And Sterling, just because he was in, he's just he was been so consistent: two hundred and twenty-nine, two hundred and thirty-four, and two hundred and four points three years in a row. And he got one hundred and fifty-four this year. Um, so let himself down really on that side of things. So after being such a good fancy asset. Top performers, overachievers, all the Leeds boys, a couple, um, couple, obviously, of the Aston Villa lads. Uh, Gundogan smashed his best. James Ward-Prowse also smashed his best, 156 points. And, uh, and Aaron Cresswell, revitalising revitalizing where he's been uh, from since uh, 15, 16. That was his last good season, having a great year at left-back. So, a couple of stars for me, a couple of underperformers. Um, I'm sure I'll be back with a season preview before we start for the next year. But thanks for listening to Fantasy Football this year, boys.
0: Thank you, Alex. That's probably your last Fantasy Football as well, because the job's up for grabs, isn't it? So, um, yeah, we'll see you (laughs) down the line. (laughs) We're going to finish off, as always, uh, for the final time in a couple of weeks uh, with some quick-fire questions. And the man for that, as always, is Tom Hughes.
1: Is Cully. Before I fire us into quickfire, uh, just some breaking news that Gareth Southgate has delayed his England squad announcement, um, which I thought was quite interesting. So he's now got until June 1st to make that announcement due to injuries, Europa League, all that kind of stuff. I'm a bit concerned <laughs> by that, but they can continue to make changes to that squad up until June 13th. So just leave you with that one because that makes me very nervous that he's already done that. Um, Rex... Sergio Aguero, signing off with a brace. Have City made a mistake letting him go? Because those two finishes were outstanding.
2: Just uh, just on, on the South, there's like a lot of injured players in his team, doesn't he? It? it sounds like he's trying to squeeze Maguire and Henderson in there in particular. Um, but But yeah, um, Aguero, I mean, are they making a mistake? I mean, maybe. Uh, he's a top-quality player. Cavani's shown what an experienced tracker can do for any team this year. Um, so... Yeah, it it could it could be a little bit premature. He's going to Barcelona, he's carrying on his his, uh, his career at that level. I mean, for me all that just says is that City are gonna sign a striker this year and there's no space for him in the team with his wages and squad anymore. So um class act, class player, some great moments, what a guy, what a player. Um and um yeah, I think uh, I think City have made that decision rather than Aguero by the sounds of it.
1: Yeah, and just you know what, follow up question, Cully. Why does it make sense for Barcelona to sign Aguero after getting rid of what I'd say is a very similar striker in Luis Suarez last year? What well, I don't understand the logic in that decision. Any thoughts?
0: <laughs> well, it doesn't make sense, does it? So, uh, <laughs> you asked me why
1: does it make sense. It, uh, it, it doesn't, completely doesn't. Um,
0: I, I, don't, I don't see the logic at all. I think that's the the significance of how Barcelona run at the minute. They're just a mess of a club. Um, the transfer shot are awful. Um, I mean, it's a good move for Aguero. He'll get paid bundles of money in a side that's regressing, really. But he'll get paid a, a lot of money at his age, at 33. I don't know why they let Suarez go. And I'm really happy for Suarez just to stick it in Barca's face. So I'll be honest. So yeah, it doesn't make sense at all.
1: Yeah, it doesn't. Uh, Cully, a different uh, different player, but a, he's had a brilliant end of the season. Uh, Willock. Uh, for Newcastle, finished off by scoring in his seventh successive game, which broke an Alan Shearer record uh, for Newcastle. But also, he became the youngest player to do so in the Premier League. Uh, is he good enough to start for Arsenal next year?
0: Yeah, I couldn't believe that when I heard the Shearer record. I didn't, didn't realise he'd scored in 7-7. Seven seven. Um, I think he's good enough for Arsenal. Um, he's still very young. Uh, if you look at the likes of the, the Arsenal, Arsenal central midfield, uh So, Xhaka, El Elneny, he's better than those players, I think. Um, Partey's been a big disappointment, but although he has got some class about him, so he'll come good. The likes of Smith-Rowe and Odegaard are a a bit more forward-thinking players, so I think he can fit in the central midfield. Arsenal need players like Willock. They need to focus on the youth players, uh, and, yeah, I think he'll do a good job. Uh, But I'd like to see him start, instead of just being a squad player, Uh, If he goes back to Arsenal as a squad player, he's just a waste. A team like Newcastle, is going to start and bad goals. so uh, I kind
1: of hope he stays at Newcastle because I think he'll get game time there. Fair point. point. Uh, Scott, we have just had the news that um, obviously Southgate's delayed that decision. Um, We were going to talk about Henderson uh, being part of that initial 26. Do you think that the delay in the decision is to do with players like Henderson? Or do you think it's more to do with those players in the Europa and the Champions League final? Because there's three British teams, uh, three English teams involved in that.
3: I think it's more to do with the finals, if I'm honest. Uh, like you say, we've got a hell of a lot of talent in those three teams that um, are potentially going to be making his uh, 26-man squad. Um, I don't, I don't think Henderson should be in. Um, he's he's not he's not recovered enough. If he if he'd played the last three, four, five games potentially. But for me, no. Um, he's. He, I don't think we should waste a place. Yeah, it's going to be great for the change of room. But um, I think there's other players that have actually got the form and I've have, have carried that momentum on. So for me, no. I hope he. Hope he uh, proves me wrong in the Euros if he does come. But yeah, for me, Henderson, no. And yeah, it's going to be an interesting one to see though. It does look like he's probably slightly going that way, doesn't it? It
1: certainly does. Uh, and Cully. Um, what are your thoughts on the three relegated teams do you think any of those have got the potential to bounce back um, back straight back up to the Premier League
0: um, Fully enough the Sheffield the, the United I know they finished bottom uh, out of the three of them but I th- just something about that club I think they've got the steel about them uh, pun intended um, yeah I think them out of the three I've got the most chance I think I could be totally wrong to put your money on and. And West Brom to it to be better than them, but uh, yeah, Sheffield United for me. Uh, if they appoint the right manager, I don't think Hakan Gonen, Hakan Bottom, is the man. But if they get a decent manager, yeah, I'm backing them.
1: Hakan Bottom, I'm not a big fan of him, but he's got a couple of results in the at the end of the season. Yeah, and that's a bit of a danger, I think, if
0: they, they see that and they're like, Oh, let's keep him. I don't think he's the quality that you need to get back up to the Premier League. In, in he's opinion, got
3: football league experience so and he and he's got he's done well at Barnsley for instance. So it yeah. could it's not the world's worst show, I don't think.
1: No. Brilliant. Well, that's all the quick fires for this week, boys. Um I'll hand back over to you, Cully, to wrap us up.
0: Thanks, Tom. Right, okay, let's call it a day for the 2021 season. Thanks, to the lads, for joining me, as always, as always throughout the, the previous pods we've done for this season. Uh, if you'd like to give us a follow on social media, you can do so on All In Football Pod on Instagram and All In Football Pete on Twitter. We'll be back just in and around the Euros. We don't know yet. We'll be reacting to the squad that Gareth Southgate eventually picks, as obviously Tom just said, that announcement. Uh, and then, yeah, we'll see you then. Thanks for listening and take care.